Right, folks, we are finally going to get into the power building talk. I've been on a few podcasts recently, been invited on as a guest and shared my views on power building, and that's generated quite a lot of interest. And I wanted to put together my notes, give you guys the full story about why I dislike power building, and also why I feel it's ultimately holding you back. So to begin this story, this might be quite a long video. Have a seat, grab a drink, <laughs> and let's get into it. So to begin this story, I actually want to take you back about 20 years to the inception of CrossFit. Now, CrossFit is a very interesting counterexample of what a new endeavor like power building could have been. So in the early days of the internet, CrossFit was starting to be discussed and it was invented by a guy called Gregory Glassman. Gregory Glassman was not an athlete himself, but he was a marketing genius. And in the early days, CrossFit was basically seen as an amalgamation of all four major strength sports, bodybuilding, powerlifting, weightlifting, and strongman. A mix of all four of those. It had the endurance aspect of strongman, had the all-out strength aspect of powerlifting and weightlifting, but it also had the sort of physique, the athletes look good, like bodybuilding. So in the early stages, it was generally seen as a bunch of these athletes who were not very good at anything. That was the general gist of things outside of some of the pockets of CrossFitters who were very ardent about their sports. Generally, the majority of the population didn't really take it very seriously. Some people still don't. I think CrossFit is fine, but some people still don't take CrossFit very seriously because they thought at the time it was just a bunch of people doing other sports badly for time. Now, Glassman knew this, and instead of digging his heels in and rejecting that and saying, we get the best of all worlds. He formalized it into a specific sport. The very best thing that Glassman ever did and the most intelligent thing he did was to create actual specific events for CrossFit, actual standards that people could test themselves against. So he created wads like Murph. Then all of a sudden, if you had somebody who said, I'm the same weight as you, but I can clean and jerk and snatch way more than you can. At least you could say, what's your murph? And they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, you're better at me at that. So it became a situation where the first benefit to CrossFit was it no longer was seen as just this amalgamation of four different sports and people just doing those different sports badly. It had its own criteria. Now that was crucial in people taking CrossFit seriously because it had its own events. No matter what you thought of CrossFit, the reality is it started to have a degree of legitimacy because Glassman identified that was a specific problem. It needed something to set it apart from all the rest. So it wasn't just seen as a sport which was doing everything badly. It was seen as its own sport. And the second benefit to that was because CrossFitters who were passionate about CrossFit had something specific to work towards, they worked like hell towards that. And within a few years, you had world-class athletes who were able to run, snatch, clean and jerk, squat, tremendous weights, and look really good while doing it. All of a sudden, these guys and girls were respected athletes in their own right. And that was the crucial aspect of pushing CrossFit forward by giving it some legitimacy, by actually giving it some standards. Now, how does all this relate to power building? Power building and power builders haven't taken any steps towards legitimizing what they do. They've not taken any steps towards 
differentiating themselves from either powerlifting or bodybuilding. All they've said in this very sort of a lazy way is, well, we get the best of both worlds, which they don't. None of them do. If powerbuilders actually had the intelligence to organize themselves into something specific, which could be tested, which could be objectively measured, and as well as that, which they could improve on, it would go a long way towards providing some legitimacy. But ultimately, I don't think power builders will do that because it is nothing. It has no definition. It never did. As we'll see during the course of the video, it's mostly just bodybuilding. And that is where power building falls down because we see under the veneer of what they say it is, it's actually just bodybuilding for the most part. Just to introduce this, where power building went wrong, it never actually formalized what it is. It just piggybacked off everything. Yep, we do everything, we do it better than everyone else. But the reality is, just like those early CrossFitters, what they're viewed as by the general community is just a bunch of people doing whatever they're doing badly. Worse than powerlifters and worse than bodybuilders. Not the best of anything. The worst of everything. So that is the introduction on where powerlifting went wrong. Now, next. Next section is enhanced bodybuilders went a long way towards giving powerbuilding a bit of a push. And this is, I think, where powerbuilding really took off. Round about, again, the turn of the century, there was a lot of bodybuilding information from enhanced bodybuilders, which was not very good. And it seemed that natural bodybuilding was almost dead. Just speaking from my personal experience, when I got into lifting in 2000, I was looking for something to do. I was looking for something to compete at. I competed at strongman and also powerlifting. I did not compete at bodybuilding simply because there were no options which weren't enhanced. At the time, I had to make a decision. I wanted to compete in something. And I'll be honest, I would have competed in bodybuilding had the option been there. But whenever I looked for information, all the information was aimed at enhanced bodybuilders. And I didn't want to go anywhere near that. So as a result, I went into powerlifting. The abundance of bodybuilding information is still coming from enhanced bodybuilders, even 20 years on. There's some better sources now, but the vast majority of mainstream bodybuilding advice over the last 20 years has come from enhanced circles. And as a result, it doesn't work for natural bodybuilders because there is far too much an emphasis on pump and feel and tone and not on getting strong on the basics. So then we have this situation where if somebody is looking for actual real natural bodybuilding advice, who do they look for? They don't look to bodybuilders. Where did CrossFit look for advice on hypertrophy? They didn't look for bodybuilders because they didn't want that. They wanted actual, functional, real, natural bodybuilding strength. And so that's where power builders snuck in, very sneakily snuck in and said, hey, we're this new thing. Here, you lift hard on the basics and we're going to call it power building. In a very, again, very lazy way, they didn't actually differentiate themselves from bodybuilding. They just took on the mantle of bodybuilding, but without any of the recognition, without deserving it. It was a very sneaky move. And enhanced bodybuilders really pushed power building forward by offering the general public such bad advice. So if the general public wanted decent hypertrophy advice, like getting strong on the basics, you had a bunch of people who identified themselves as power builders, this new thing, who gave them this solution. Now, that came with its own problems. When I look at the programs of most power builders, 
I see, basically, I just see bodybuilding routines. Most power builders that I know, their routines are simply just bodybuilding routines. They say they want the best of both worlds. They say they want to be strong and they want to be big. But the reality is it's just a natural bodybuilding routine, which, of course, has a focus on size and strength because they are synonymous. That doesn't mean powerlifting and bodybuilding are synonymous. They are two very different sports, but size and strength are. And that is also part of this misinformation around power building. So the second point is enhanced bodybuilders really gave momentum to power builders. They gave it a shot in the arm because nobody wanted to go towards what was the bodybuilding mainstream information because it didn't work. Nobody natural at least. And so people were drawn to power building because it seemed on the surface to be reasonable advice, but actually it was just piggybacking off natural bodybuilding. And there is no better example of that than people who hold up Reg Park as his power builder. He wasn't, he was a bodybuilder. He was a competitive bodybuilder back in the day. And he trained as what we can only guess to be a natural. Certainly, if you don't believe he was natural, the people before him, like Reeves and all the rest of them, they were natural and they trained with what would be considered to be these days by some power builders, power building routines. I want to reclaim bodybuilding for what it is, and that is good, solid advice for natural lifters. I don't think it's fair that power builders have snuck in under the lens of enhanced bodybuilders and use this to piggyback their own agenda. We need to get back to the roots of natural bodybuilding, which is good, decent information where size and strength are synonymous. So that's the second point. Now, that leads me to the third point. What is the definition of power building? Because invariably, we ask the question, if power builders are now holding up the mantle of bodybuilding and saying, hey, come to us for advice on hypertrophy, well, let's define it. What is power building? And why are we saying it's different from bodybuilding? That's the next question, isn't it? It would follow. If power builders are trying to say, come to us for hypertrophy advice, you're going to be big and strong. Let us tell you how. Okay, let's define it. And in that definition, we'll see if it's any different from natural bodybuilding. Now, this is where power builders run into the first problem. There is no definition. There is no agreed definition of what power building is. And nothing brought this closer to home for me than looking at the comments from the recent videos that I did and the shorts that I put up. Essentially, the closer you come to identifying what power building is, the more you move towards either powerlifting or bodybuilding. That's what happens. If you really get somebody to define it, if you really get granular, if you move beyond the whole, I just want to be big and strong. If you move beyond that and say, what are your actual goals? People generally fall into two camps. The first one is somebody who wants to be jacked, but also be strong. Congrats, you're a bodybuilder. Because that's what bodybuilding is at a natural level. The other group of people is, I want to get good at the squat, bench and deadlift and maybe a few other lifts, but I also want to look jacked. Congrats, you're a powerlifter. Those are the two camps. Now, the former is more, more common, I would say. So people who want to be jacked, but also want to be strong at the same time, that's pretty common. And that is just natural bodybuilding. It's always been. We don't need to have this separate name for it. And powerbuilding doesn't deserve, it hasn't done anything. It's leached onto the name of natural bodybuilding. It's duped people into thinking this is something we need to call it. But in actuality, it is simply just natural bodybuilding. And we need to reclaim that for what it is, because there are other issues in powerbuilding which can 
lead people down the wrong direction. This overfocus on the barber lists, for example. In my experience, from what I've seen of most people, most people just want to look jacked. That's really, if you get to the bottom of it, most people really just want to look jacked. They have been tricked, they've been duped into thinking that they need to get stronger on the barbell lifts by these power builders. And that is part of the problem with this lack of definition of power building. You don't need to deadlift, you don't need to squat, you don't need to bench press. But because there is this focus with power building on the barbell lifts, all of a sudden you have swaths of people who really just want hypertrophy are being tricked and conned into actually believing themselves that they need to get stronger on the barbell basics, the squat bench and deadlift, where it's unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary. One of the problems with power building, apart from just stealing the title of natural from natural bodybuilding, is that it has this overemphasis inherent in what it is, which is the best of both worlds. It has this inherent focus on the barbell lift. Now, you might say to me, no, I'm a power builder and I don't care about the squat bench deadlift. Great, you're not a power builder then. You're a bodybuilder, which comes back to the first point. Why do you need a separate name? Is it not just you trying to be a special little snowflake and have your own funny little name? It's still natural bodybuilding. Most people really just wanna look great naked. That's what I see, that's about it. What is the definition of power building? There is no definition. It has just been conflated with what natural bodybuilding is. And if we insist on calling natural bodybuilding power building, what we're doing is we're leading people down the wrong path and this overemphasis on the barbell movements, which is unnecessary. You don't need a certain strength standard for your, for your muscular goals. You need to get stronger, but you don't need a certain strength standard in the squat, bench and deadlift. You just need to get stronger. And I wanna segue into another point here which is related. And that is most power builders who I've come across have absolutely zero clue what their body fat is. So you're gonna throw this one out there. I've interacted with a few power builders recently who have absolutely no idea. And this stems to part of the problem that they have because they're not power lifters. They're also not bodybuilders because they've never really got lean. So they have no idea what their body fat is. The amount of people who I've talked to who think they're 20% body fat and are actually closer to 30, 35% body fat is disturbing. But again, if you identify as a power builder, it doesn't matter, right? Because if somebody says to you, when are you going to get lean? You're like, oh, I don't need to. I'm a power builder. I don't have to do that. Or if somebody says to you, when are you actually going to get strong? When are you really going to get strong on the squat, bench and deadlift or whatever lifts? When are you going to max out? And they might say again, hey, I don't need to do that. I'm a power builder. So there is no push towards either getting actually strong or getting actually lean. And as a result, these people get very lazy about what their standards are because they just cope. And let me just clarify this regarding body fat. Firstly, 20% on the internet is basically cope for being like 30%. 20% is just a generic label where people think they are 20% because they just don't like the idea of being more. Everybody who I've talked to who thinks they're 20% body fat is actually more like 30, 35. So let me clear up what 20% is. 20% is a flat stomach with good definition in the arms and quads and everything else. It is not jiggly bits. It is not man boobs and love handles. If you want to have a look at somebody who does this well, go take a look at Jeffrey Verity Schofield's Instagram. And there's a comparison picture of when he was 20% versus what he is now or what he was towards the end of his diet. And it's a really striking example of what a true 20% is. That is completely flat stomach with decent muscular definition in his delts. If you're 
thinking you're 20% body fat, but you have man boobs and jiggly bits and love handles with a stomach that pokes out in front of your belt, you're not 20%. You're more like 30. You need to stop listening to people who give you poor body fat percentages because they're normally power builders who, again, don't know what they're talking about because they've never been lean because they don't have to be because they're power builders and there are no standards. 20% is a flat stomach. In my opinion, these are very broad averages, but this is generally what I see. 20% is flat stomach. 15% is then abs when you tense. 10% is abs when you're relaxed. So it's very lean. And when you tense, everything's in. The serratus, the sides, all that. And below that, 6 to 7% is contest shape where everything's in, including glutes. That is a rough idea. That is important because it's another failure of power builders because it's part of that cope. Like, when are you going to get lean? I don't need to get lean. And you know what? I'm only 20% body fat, so who cares? When the reality is they're not 20% body fat at all. They're more like 30, 35. Some of them are disturbingly more than that, like 40%. And some of these guys, sadly, are also quite a lot older as well. It's like 50, 55, 60 years old, running around, doing mini bulks, at 35% body fat because they don't know any better. It's part of the power builder cope. We'll move on. The next point is I was skimming through the comments of my latest videos and people seem to think that whoever has abs and is strong is a power builder. There seems to be this misconception that any actual competitive strength athlete who has abs and looks good is a power builder, which is a real stretch. <laughs> so I'll rattle off a few names that I was given in some comments on various videos. Russ Swall. Somebody said Russ Swall was a power builder. Now, I didn't know who Russ Swall was. No. No disrespect to him. I didn't know who he was, so I looked up him up on Instagram. And on his bio, the first line says, world record holding power lifter. So apparently he has a world record in powerlifting. He's also won various national championships. He's a very well-decorated power lifter. But because he has abs, people are saying he's a power builder. How does that make any sense? Do you see the laziness of power builders? They'll just try and stamp their name on anything which they feel is remotely cool. But that's not how it works. That's not reality. The reality is he's a competitive powerlifter. Somebody said that about Julius Maddox. Julius Maddox is a competitive powerlifter. He's one of the best powerlifters in the world. Somebody said about Eddie Hall. He has abs. So he's a power builder. Are you fucking serious? He was world's strongest man. World strongest man. He is a strong man. But again, people are grasping and saying he's a power builder because he has abs. He's a competitive strong man. Somebody else said Dan Green. Again, Dan Green has got abs. Yes, he does, but he's a competitive powerlifter. The last one, which is probably more controversial, is Michael Hearn, which I thought was quite interesting because Michael Hearn himself identifies as a powerbuilder. However, Michael Hearn, just to remind everyone, is a enhanced bodybuilder, clearly. And I'm not sure what he says for advertising sake should be taken seriously. He is quite clearly a bodybuilder. He's been gracing the covers of bodybuilding magazines for the past 20 years. He's a bodybuilder. What he might say to sell his duck eggs or whatever else he sells is none of our concern. And the advice he gives is none of our concern either. So the world 
where you can simply just make up words. Power builders are just making up categories of people and just saying they're power builders now. It doesn't work that way in reality. These people in reality are competitive powerlifters, strongmen, and bodybuilders. They are not power builders because power building isn't a thing. You can't just slap a label on something and all of a sudden it becomes a thing. I can't just slap a label on myself and become an apple. It's not the way it works. It's not the way things work in life, in reality. And you, as a power builder, unless you've competed in something, you're not a competitive anything. So don't try and identify yourself alongside Russ Swall, who is one of the best powerlifters in the world, or Julius Maddox, or Eddie Hall, or Dan Green. You're not the same as those people. So don't try and conflate your power building with what these people are doing, because they're not doing power building. They're doing an actual serious sport, which is based in reality. So this takes me to my next point about these people in particular, while I'm going in on them. Why is power building so heavily defended? Because this was something that became evident to me very early on in the comments section. Power building seems to be very passionately defended by these people. And I look at all the profiles and they're all just like weak and fat and it makes no sense. I'm just thinking to myself, why are these people who aren't competitive, who aren't strong, who aren't lean, why are they so passionate about this thing called power building? And I thought about it a lot. And there's a couple of things that come to mind. First thing is fear of failure. Now, it is a truism that life these days is harder. Okay, For younger people, house prices are up, cost of living is up. There were different difficulties when I was younger, of course, but life is harder now. And social media doesn't help. We have these worldwide comparisons of everyone doing their absolute best. And I've seen this in schools, not just as I've been a coach or at the gym, but also I've seen this in schools and I still have school teacher friends. So there is a particular type of student who's becoming more and more popular these days who would rather not try and just by fail by default than try with the potential for succeeding but then fail because they tried. That would crush them psychologically. And there's more and more of this coming up. Now, I had this when I was teaching, but it was normally with the older year groups. The older year groups you were usually, there was usually a handful who really had this fear of failure. They didn't want to try because they'd be embarrassed if they failed. Where I feel this stems from is this fear of competition against others. Because due to social media, and due to the pressures of life and society at the moment, I think you were growing up in a very competitive world. And I think when that happens, people reject competition. They reject comparison. They reject going up head to head against people. When I was powerlifting, and particularly when I was doing strongman, there was nothing I loved more than going man to man against somebody else in the Atlas Stones, in the squat, in the car deadlift, anything. And that gave me such a rush I am putting myself on the line against somebody else in a competitive zone. That that raised my blood pressure. That was great. But it seems like people are people don't want that competition. And so what has been a common thing over the last sort of couple of decades has been this participation trophy mentality of saying we're all going to compete, but actually there are no losers. We're all going to get a trophy just for competing. And that's had a lot of backlash, understandably slow. But power building is a symptom of the same problems. Because with power building, it doesn't matter what you do, you still have that title. I'm a power builder. You've never got lean. I'm a power builder. You've never gotten strong. I'm a power builder. You've never really done anything. 
you never built any kind of physique, I'm a power builder. So power building is the participation trophy of physical endeavors. And I think one of the reasons why people hold on to it so much is because you are taking away their safety blanket from the world of sports. Because when you're a power builder, there is no competition. And I think this is one of the reasons why it was never formalized. It's not something which is going to elevate you. It's actually a get out clause from working hard. That's the first thing, fear of failure. Second thing is, this is another thing that I've gleaned from talking about to people. People derive a sense of satisfaction from talking about something as well as from doing it. For example, I competed in bodybuilding in 2018. I competed in it. I loved it. I did a six-month prep. It was really hard, but I had such a degree of satisfaction with myself for going through those hard six months and getting to the end and stepping on stage and going, yes, I did it. That is a sense of satisfaction. But I found people also get a sense of satisfaction from talking about doing something rather than doing it. People get a sense of satisfaction from talking about dieting. Yeah, I'm going to start on a diet Monday. It's going to be great. I'm going to get lean. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be ready for the beach. But so they talk about it and they talk about it and they talk about it. When it gets to say Wednesday of the diet, they've been at it two days, they give up. Yeah, you got all the endorphins from talking about it, but actually doing it is a different kettle of fish. And I think where power builders also cling on to this, very passionate about what power building is, is that they get a lot of satisfaction from the lie of power building. They get a lot of satisfaction from living vicariously through this lie of saying, I'm something. I'm getting the best of both worlds. I'm just as strong as a power officer. I'm just as jacked as a bodybuilder. Trust me, because I'm a power builder. They get the satisfaction about talking about it so that they don't have to actually do it. So those two things are interconnected. The fear of failure and the satisfaction about talking about things, they are both living vicariously through a lie. Next section is about living a lie. Life is difficult. We are all going to encounter difficulties in life. We all do. And so power building for them is their little escape into being something in their own heads. And I think that's, again, one of the reasons why it's defended so heavily. However, I'm here to say, if you shirk away from real, true competition, you are doing a disservice to yourself because you can't shirk away from difficulties in life and just invent trophies, invent titles. You have to put yourself in difficult situations in order to grow. You can't just take on the mantle of something which doesn't exist to get that endorphin rush. It's not real. To be the person you were meant to be, to you can be, to fulfill your potential, you have to put yourself into difficult positions. You have to actually attempt real things, potentially in competition against real people. Now, competition is not a necessity, but you do have to attempt real things. And power building is this blanket of safety, which is holding you back. It is the participation trophy of endeavors. It's a safety blanket, which people are using to think about getting the best of both worlds. In reality, it allows them to avoid competition. It allows them to avoid standardization. But it's never a good idea to live a lie. You're not going to grow if you continuously embrace this lie. We only grow by putting ourselves into difficult positions. And so that takes me on to the final point, 
which is my word of encouragement to you guys. Now, during the course of this video, I've been very critical of power building and I've given you my full views on it. However, I want to end with a note of encouragement. When you fool yourself, it becomes infinitely easier for other people to fool you too. What I want you to do is keep your feet firmly on the ground. Take pride in who you are and where you are. Where you are right now is absolutely no indication of where you can get to. And I would not have gotten as strong or as lean if I hadn't actually embraced reality and embraced real, true challenge. If I had shirked away and hid under this safety blanket of power building, I would never have gotten as lean or as strong as I did. So take pride in who you are. Take pride in where you are now. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You're not going to be a master straight away. Stop comparing yourself to everybody on the internet. Stop opening up your phone and fearing failure because of all the people out there who are doing such great things and you feel like you can't possibly live up to that. No, take pride in where you are, where you're starting from because you can improve and start with the little wins. Start to build yourself up bit by bit. Build your mentality up in reality. Throw away those, throw away that safety blanket of power building. If you are more in physique, get abs at least once in your life. Get down to 15% body fat. If you've never seen abs and you're walking around thinking you're 20% and your actuality, you're, you've got man boobs and jiggly bits, get down to the point where you've got abs. It's difficult, but difficulty is where you grow. Difficulty is where you get better. And if you're more interested in strength, fine, learn the lifts. Get standardized on the lifts. Do a powerlifting competition. They're not hard to get into. They're not even that expensive. Go and turn up, do your thing against other people. Don't be sat in your basement thinking, I could be an elite if I wanted to, and you've never even competed. Live in reality. You're never going to actually test yourself unless you do. You're never going to get any motivation to get better unless you actually test yourself in reality. So don't shy away from a challenge. Cowards shy away from a challenge, and that's not you. Throw your hat into the arena. You are good enough. I believe you're good enough. And I believe you're good enough without the safety blanket of made-up titles and trophies. I believe you can be good enough in reality where it actually counts. So go out and do it. Right, folks. See you in the next one.